1: morning. Welcome to Silverado Baptist Church. It's so awesome to see all of you here worshiping with us today. Um, I'd like to welcome all of you here at our Bonnie Oaks campus. i also like to welcome those of you at our Creekside service, our North Udawah Campus, St. Elmo, our new Bridges service, and all of you that are worshiping online. We now have 11 weekend worship services, and so I'm very thankful that you've chosen to be a part of one of those services today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm Tony Walliser. I'm one of the pastors here. And today I have the privilege to share with you God's Word. So this one, what I encourage you to do. Go and take your Bibles and open up the New Testament to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. Um, if you've got a smartphone, you can open that app to Romans 1 as well. But um, we're going to be looking at a number of verses, so I encourage you to also take out these Bible study outlines. We give these to you so you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. Okay? Now we're beginning a brand new series today um, called Reasons to Believe. And the reason why is because I want you to know that our faith is built on the foundation of evidences. You see a lot of people they, th- they think that faith is just some, you know, giant leap into the unknown that there's no real evidence for why we believe what we believe, right? And, and but the fact is is that there really are evidences. See, some people think that faith is just sort of wishful thinking. Like, okay, I believe that Vanderbilt will win the national championship in football. Now, I'm not against Vanderbilt, love Vanderbilt, but the fact is, is that there are no evidences that they would ever win the national championship, okay? I'm just being honest, right? And so, the fact is, is that that's just wishful thinking. And so, you got to have evidences to really have belief. Well... Whenever you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have to put your brain on hold and put it in a shelf whenever you come into church. No, there are evidences for why we believe what we believe. And, and the fact is, is that today, and we're going to begin over the next five weeks, we're going to answer some of the big questions that our culture will throw at us. And we're not going to run from questions. We, we have evidences for the questions that they have. You see, a phenomenon that's happened over the last several decades That many kids that were raised in church as adults have abandoned the church. And part of the reason why is because somewhere along the way, they had questions, but they didn't have a safe place to ask the questions they had about the Lord. Well, this is a safe place. We're not going to run from those questions. You see, something happens. I mean, basically, during puberty, 13, 14 years old, it's like a part of your brain turns on. And that part of your brain is where, you know, you can now think in abstract ways and you can think differently. And so what happens is, is that you have different kind of questions. Like a three-year-old asking why, 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 okay, and they, they'll be satisfied with the answer because I said so, that's why, is a totally different question than a 13 year or 14 year old going, why, right? I mean, five-year-olds do not mope around the house wondering, you know, why is the world in the condition it's in and I can't seem to find any meaning and purpose in life. Five-year-olds don't think that way, but 15-year-olds do. And they'll mope around and they'll be depressed and they may even be suicidal. And so, why? Because there are answers to questions. And so the church is a safe place to ask your questions. Why? Because we have many answers. Now, you may not agree with my answers, but the fact is, is there are evidences for why we believe the way we believe. And there's no better place to start, it's very foundational, is a belief in God. Is there really a God? Now, why is it so important that we start with that foundational question? Because listen, everything flows from your belief in God. In fact, jot that at the top of your outline. Everything flows from your belief in God. Everything flows for whether you believe in God or not. Now, here's the deal. You have a worldview. You go, what's a worldview? A worldview is the grid through which you observe and also interpret the world. And in that worldview, it will either include God or it will not include God. And the most fundamental question that anyone in the world can answer is, is there a God or not? I mean, even an atheist. I mean, think about it. The title atheist, the majority of their title is theism. You got to begin with God somewhere. Why? Because everything flows from our belief in God. So what flows from your belief in God? Three things. I want you to jot it down. Number one, first of all, is your origins. Your origins. Where did you come from? I mean, where did you come from? Where did the universe come from? The origins, right? Now, there's one of two answers. One includes God, and one does not include God. Now, you know how this is um, laid out for us by the cultural elites and many, you know, university professors or maybe even a PBS nature show from time to time. They'll basically say, okay, there is no God. And what happens is, is, is that at some point in the past, there was a big bang, And that's whenever the universe sort of unfolded. And it's through billions of years, it's just been unfolding over time, and it's continue to unfold. And then over time, a part of the universe was this galaxy, a spiral galaxy, called the Milky Way galaxy. And one arm of the Milky Way galaxy, you, you have this one solar system, and that solar system had this perfect size star, and then you had this perfect size planet that was the perfect distance from the sun, and also that planet had to have a magnetic field to protect it from the rays of the sun, and then also, you know, it had to be at a perfect tilt as it's going around the sun so that it will, you know, have seasons. And you asked them, well, how did all, I mean, how did all that happen? Well, just chance. And in fact, they call it the Goldilocks zone, that we on planet Earth are just right, that we are this perfect place in the perfect universe to have life. And you go, well, where did all that come from? Well, it's just random chance. It just just did. It just happened, right? And then you think, okay, well, what about life? Where did that come from? Well, well, they say that it was basically, they're not sure exactly, it's some magical mixture of, of chemicals and energy and maybe lightning and some gases. And then suddenly from, from one of that, there, there came this one cell organism. And, and then from that one cell, you know, it, it divided into other cells. And, and then it divided and divided and made this lower form of life. And you've probably all seen, you know, Darwin's tree of life. You, you evolved from one, you know, you know, lower form of order and then you, you know, evolve to another evolve to another and you just continue to, you you get to mammals and then you actually have the evolution of man and we probably, you know, came from, you know, chimps and, and, you know, you just, over time and now here we are, Homo sapiens and you go, well, how did all this life stuff happen? Well, it just, it just happened. it just all by chance. And so you are sitting here, if that's true and there's no God, you're sitting here it's just random chance. You're just, you're just evolved pawn scum, right? Welcome to Silverdale, right? Okay, that's who you are, all right? Now, uh, what about the other side? Well, notice how the Bible starts off in Genesis 1.1. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That God is the one who started this whole thing off. God is the one who was intervening. God was the one who was involved in design and and creation and actively involved. In fact, the Bible says that God was involved in you and that he actually helped knit you together inside your mother's womb. And so if there's a God, then you're not here by random chance or accident. You're here by the sovereign will of a loving God. Do you see the difference? Everything flows from your belief in God now we as Christians can say to scientists you go now wait a minute you you said that the universe had a start it was the big bang they go yeah and and you go okay what was before that nothing well what started that nothing it just happened you go "It, it just happened out of nothing I mean we all know by the observable universe that something does not come from nothing right If you have something, we know it always had to come from something, right? I mean, any parent knows this. If a parent is in one room and they hear a crash in another room, they go, hey, what's going on in there? And the kids always respond back, nothing. And as a parent, you're wise enough to go, I know there's something going on because a crash doesn't come from nothing, right? Well, it's the same way. You see... I look at the universe and I see God. They look at the universe and they see gases and molecules. Well, why don't they see God? Well, the Bible says they've chosen not to. Notice how the Apostle Paul puts this in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The Apostle Paul says, people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them, For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. Paul says, you want evidences that there's a divine being, this powerful creator God? All you got to do is look at creation. Why don't they see that? Because Paul says they suppress the truth. They don't want to believe there's a God. And so here's the deal. Your belief on God... Answers the question of origins. Where did you come from? Now, follow the logical progression. It also answers the second question. Jot this down. Your purpose. Why am I here? Your purpose. Why are you here? I mean, do you have meaning in life? Do you have a purpose? Now, if you're just evolved pond scum, then you know what? Your life has no real meaning. You're not made in the image of God. You are just just random. You are just a, a random chance. You're just an accident. And so the thing is, is that if that's true, there is no God and you're just a random accident, then you know what the Bible tells us to do if there's no God? Well, let's just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die, right? I mean, think about it. If there's no God and there's no afterlife and and life has no meaning and purpose, then guys, let's all just get high and party, right? I mean, because and that's exactly what's happened in our culture in America, right? In 1960, the Supreme Court removed God from the classroom and so what immediately began to happen, it, God was replaced with hedonism. God was replaced with, you know, sex and drugs, right, and more alcohol. Why? Because, good, goodness, if there's no God, right, then let's just party hardy, right? And not only that, that you know, life has no meaning, you have no value. If, if you're not created by God, then you know what? You don't have any value. You have no purpose in life. You're just a random accident, I mean, that's why, again, whenever Supreme Court takes prayer out of schools, what happened? They're they're suddenly bombarded with this thought that, okay, there is no God, and if there is no God, then my life has no meaning, I have no value, and that's why the suicide rates started immediately ticking up among teenagers. And today, folks, it is epidemic. It's one of the leading killers in our culture, is suicide. Why? Because if there's no God, you have no value, life has no meaning, end it, Right? Why would we do that? See, once you deny there's a God, everything follows that. Notice again how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created, instead of the creator who is blessed forever, amen. And that's a sign of our culture today. I mean, people today, they don't live for the creator. No, what do we live for? We live for creation. We live for stuff. We live for people. We live for possessions. We live for our things, right? If we're just accidents, then you know what? We just need to live for stuff and materialism. I mean, if we're just accidents, then we're just... We're not spiritual beings, we're just purely physical, right? We're just purely material. I mean, right now, your minds, you think your minds are actually thinking? You're not thinking. No, that's just electronic impulses and synapses firing. You're no more than a can of Coke on a table that's fizzing. See, it's just simply biology and physics. And so if you believe there is no God, then you have no value. And so what do we do as humans? We're like, okay, I've got to have some purpose in life. I know what, if I can achieve, if I can do, if I can accomplish things. And so we live our life on this rat race, always trying to accomplish more and more in our life. Why? Because we believe that's the only way we're going to have any value. See, everything flows from your belief in God. But if you believe that there's a God, then guess what? You're made in His image. God mitch, knits you together. God has a plan and purpose for your life. That that even all the little details here, even whenever you suffer in this life in this broken world, God is great and able to even use it for good. Do, do you understand? There's incredible purpose when you understand that there's a God. Everything flows from your belief in God. The origins, you know, your value and purpose in life. Third thing that flows from your belief in God is this. Jot this down. Number three is your morality. Your morality. How do I define good and evil? I mean, how do you define good and evil? Now, if there is no God, there is no good and evil. There is no right and wrong. Everybody chooses whatever they want to do. It's just subjective morality. You do you and I'll do me. That's your truth. This is my truth. And in fact, atheistic evolutionists made this statement. William Corbin of Cornell University, he said this. If evolution is true, then there are several inescapable conclusions. Number one, there is no God. Number two, there is no life after death. Number three, there is is no absolute foundation for right and wrong. Number four, there are no ultimate meaning for life. If we live purely in a materialistic world, then guess what? Everybody gets to define whatever they want to do. And this is your truth, this is my truth. This is evil, this is not evil. And can I just tell you, you look at the atrocities of humanity, it's whenever people take that out. I mean, think about it, Nazi Germany. I mean, in the Holocaust, what was that all about? That was individuals who took evolution to its logical conclusion. It's survival of the fittest, okay? If we're evolving, and we've evolved to be Homo sapiens, and so we want to evolve to the next level, then what do we need to do? We need to weed out the weak. We need to extinguish those that are the weaker among us, right? And so imagine, what do they do? They they take children and send them to scientists. I mean, the the chief scientist was Joseph Mingendal, and what did he do? I mean, he, he did experiments on them. You know, he crucified people, he you know, injected dye in their eyes to see if he could change their color. He would take children and put them out in the snow completely naked, see how long they could survive, you know, in the, in the frozen tundra. I mean, yeah. but it was all done in the name of science. Hey, I'm just trying to better humanity. That's all he was saying, right? I mean, Hitler was greatly influenced by eugenics. You ever hear of Margaret Singer? She's the founder of Planned Parenthood. And Basically, hey, let's just extinguish and kill those that, you know what, we don't want and, and the unworthy and, the, and certain races we don't like. Let's just extinguish all of them. Do you understand? That's what happens whenever you remove God. There is no right and wrong. Every, it's just all subjective to whatever anybody wants to do. That's their own right or wrong. Now, I know that our world will say to the church and say, well, why are you so afraid of subjective morality? I'll tell you why, because I know where it leads. I I I know history. I mean, the fact is, is that all of us are afraid of subjective morality. I mean, you can ask the atheist, why do you lock your doors at night? Because he's afraid of subjective morality. Because there could be somebody out there that thinks it's his right to break into his house and put a bullet between his head. Right? We're all afraid of subjective morality. You see, every one of us in our heart of hearts, we know there is right and wrong. We do. We know murder is wrong. Even though there's a larger group in our society that murder doesn't seem to be wrong anymore. We, um, we know that abusing children is wrong. I mean, even in the prison system, if you're a child abuser, you're gonna get beat up in prison, right? Because even the hardest criminal knows Abusing children's wrong. We know lying's wrong. We know stealing is wrong, right? You go, we have these laws on our heart, in our mind, in our conscience. Where did that come from? God. Listen, if there is a law in your heart, that means there must be a lawgiver. I mean, one of the evidences for God is that, that you got a conscience. I mean, look look at how Paul puts this in Romans chapter 2, verse 15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their consciences confirm this. they competing thoughts, either accusing or even, you know, excusing them. Again, one of the evidences is, is that, okay, if we believe, if there's a moral law, there had to be a lawgiver. Now, one of the things that they'll throw back at Christianity and they say, well, if there really is a God, why is there pain and evil and suffering? And we're going to do a whole message on that topic. Why is there pain and evil? But let me just turn it around. If there is no God, why is there any good, right? I mean, if, it's, if we're just evolved survival of the fittest... Why is there love? Why is there altruism? Why is there sacrifice that we make for one another? Why does that exist? I'll tell you why it exists. Because we're made in the image of God. God, who's the lawgiver, is putting laws on our heart. But if there's no God, there is no transcendent morality. You do you. You can do whatever you want to do. And guess what? If there's no God, then torturing animals or running scientific experiments on children is fair game. Why? Because if there's no God, there is no morality. There's no right or wrong or evil anymore. Do you see how everything flows from your belief in God? Do you, are you just tracking with me here? And so here's the deal. You may go, okay, I see how everything flows from a belief or not a belief, but um, how do I know there is a God? And so what I want to do today is I want to give you four, real quickly, evidences for the existence of God. Four evidence, there's hundreds, but let me give you four evidences for the existence of God. And, um, and here's the deal. If just one of these is convincing and true, then it proves that God is real, okay? And so what are some of the evidences in the existence of God? Number one, let's first look at, because we're looking at different, you know, fields of science and logic and philosophy, those kind of things. The very first one is this, is the argument from logic. The argument from logic. Plato, philosopher, came up with the evidence of God called the first cause. Something had to cause all of this. In the Middle Ages there was Thomas Aquinas and he came up with five philosophical reasons for the existence of God and they're all still amazing today. But I'm gonna give you one, I've put it on your outline there in the middle, it's called the cosmological argument. The cosmological argument simply is stating what I said earlier that something does not come from nothing and that if you see something, it had to, you know, something had to cause that, right? And so here's the cosmological argument. Number one, whatever begins to exist has a cause. That's, I mean, all scientific observation tells you if something begins to exist, it had to have a cause. Point two, the universe had a beginning. Now, for for centuries, scientists would say, no, 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 the universe is eternal. But now, since the Hubble telescope, they've realized, oh my goodness, okay, sure enough, it had a beginning. What they call the beginning, the Big Bang. Okay, therefore... The universe has a cause, has a creator. And so it's just basic logic. If, if you know, you have something created, there had to be a creator. And so let me put it to you like this. Imagine this. Now you have this box here, and this box represents the known universe. Here's the universe. And everything that exists inside this box can fall into these categories. There is matter. It's, it's a physical universe, okay? There is space. There's time, and then there's energy. This is everything that's in our universe, okay? And so, if something creates the universe, it has to be outside of these things. Like what? It can't be material, so the creator had to be spiritual, okay? And, okay, it had to be outside of time or space. Oh, it needs to be eternal, yeah, okay. And um, and also, it needs to have extreme amount of power, and energy. Now, let's see. Who do we know? (laughs) Who do we know that is spiritual, that is eternal and outside of time and space, and is all-powerful? Well, guess what? That's a definition of God, right? Basic logic tells you if there's creation, there had to be a creator. That's basic logic second reason why we believe in God is this, jot this down. Number two, the argument from design. The argument from design. Now, this happens to be my favorite one because the basic argument goes like this. If you see design, you know there had to be a designer. Think of it like this. Let's just say that you go on vacation at the beach. And as you arrive there at the beach, you see this beautiful, you know, sandcastle on the beach. Is your first thought, oh my goodness, look what the waves did here on the beach. No, of course not. You'd go, well, you see design. Well, there had to be some human that made that design. Design means there had to be a designer. Let's just say that you have someone, your enemy, who texts you. And he texts you this, I hate your guts. I'm so mad at you, I'm buying a gun, and I'm going to shoot you. You call the police. You show them the text. The police go to the guy's house. And he says, Did you send this text? And they go, Well, I guess it did. It's from my number, but this is what happened. You see, I keep my phone in my back pocket, and I must have randomly butt dialed that to them. <laughs> does the police officer go, Oh, that makes complete, absolute sense? No, he's going, You're going to jail, right? Because we know that if you see design, there's a designer. If there's intellect, if there's language, there's an author, right? You go, Well, does creation have that of course it does I mean look at your body alone we're fearfully and wonderfully made or let's look at DNA okay what's DNA DNA is your human genome it's the chemical instructions inside every cell it is the blueprint for how you are made up you see our English language is made up of 26 characters DNA is made up of four characters Computer code is just made up of two characters. Our DNA is made up of, you know, four chemical alphabet. alphabets, the instructions to the proteins. It is a code. It is language. That's how it's described. And in fact, there's so much language in your body, in DNA, that there's more information here in your DNA than is found in this entire dictionary. Now, can I just tell you Something. That if I came to you and said, you know what? I think that this dictionary just came about. There was this explosion in a print factory and voila. You go, you're a nut, right? And yet there's more language in your DNA than in this this dictionary. Why? When you see design, there has to be a designer. Whenever you see intellect and information, there has to be an author behind that. Which leads to the um, third argument for the existence of God. I see this as the fossil record. The fossil record. Now, evolutionists will go to the fossils and they'll say, see, you see these different kinds of evolution that, that takes place. We go to the fossil record as well. And if you go to the fossil record, you know what you'll discover? You'll discover exactly what the Bible says you'll discover. Look at how God created in Genesis 1.25. <clears throat> the Bible says... God made the beasts of the field after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Do you see what it's saying? It's saying that God created these different species, these different kinds. Now we as Christians, we believe in evolution, but we believe in what's known as microevolution. That means we believe that there is adaptations in evolution within a species. I mean, you, um, you you take a, a um, frog and you put it in a certain environment over time, it could evolve into adaptations to, you know, adapt to that environment. I mean, you know, anybody own a dog, right? There, there's dozens of different breeds of dogs, but they're all dogs. And, and so even Darwin, you know, whenever he came up with a theory of evolution, he knew that in the fossil record there was... There was all these gaps. There there was all these, you know, there there was all these transitional life forms. But he thought, okay, it takes millions of years to evolve from one species to another species. Surely, there should be more in the fossil record of the transitional forms than the actual, you know, completed forms, right? It makes sense because it takes millions of years to do that. But guess what? 170 years later, billions of dollars spent, all this research done, and you know what they've discovered? There's still the gaps that are there. But you know what? You will discover You'll discover immediate life forms immediately right there. Let me give you one of the earliest ones. It's called the Cambridge Explosion. It's one of the earliest um, levels <clears throat> in the fossil record. Seven complete phylos, different appear, boom. It's called the Big Bang of biology. They all appear all at once, fully formed, boom. There they are in the fossil record. There's no explanation. How did did they get there? Now, you may go, well, you're just a preacher. You don't know. I had a science teacher. Well, let me just quote for you some other scientists who are honest about this. one, One atheistic scientist wrote a book called The Great Evolution Mystery. He said this, how or when did this change occur? We do not know. As usual, the fossil record is blank just when we most need it. What about us mammals, Right? Look at this quote. In all 32 orders of mammals, the break is so sharp, the gap is so large, that the origin of each order of mammals is speculative. Now, these aren't Christians. These are atheistic scientists that say there are these gaps in the fossil record. We're not sure why we're not seeing these transitional forms. I'll tell you why. Because God created the individual species. Now, there's a fourth argument for the existence of God. I call this the argument from physics. The argument from physics, and there's at least 50 laws of physics that, you know, are behind the universe as we know it. Our, our universe is built on laws. And you know what? Those laws are finely tuned, and if they just get out of tune by one little bit, the universe as we know it today would not exist. Let me give you one example, and that is um, um, basically um, Gravity. So, you know, we all know what gravity is, right? Okay, gravity. Well, let's just imagine there is a force of gravity. That means gravity falls, you know, you have that pull that push exactly at a certain rate. And so just imagine the rate of gravity. Imagine that you have this ruler. And this ruler stretches out beyond our moon, beyond our solar system, all the way to the very edge of the known universe, 15 billion light years long. Okay? Massive ruler. And it's divided up in one-inch intervals, all the way through. And you have, on this ruler, these are all the options for the force and the weight of gravity. And so, if you just moved just one inch, the universe as we know it would not exist. Do you understand? That's why so many, you know, scientists are looking at the fine-tuning of the universe, and they go, this is a mathematical impossibility, It'd be like this, it'd be like you're in a firing squad, and you're stood up there, and there's a million guns pointed at you, and somebody yells, fire, and they all shoot at the same time, and none of them hit you. What do you say? Do you say, wow, what a coincidence? Or do you fall on your knees and go, thank you, God, for the miracle, right? Right? I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, the truth is is that professors are seeing these mathematical odds and they're realizing there has to be something behind this. In fact, the universe is so, you know, finely tuned, they're coming up with other alternatives. They're like, okay, maybe there's a multiverse. And if there's billions of universes, maybe one of them could be finely tuned like ours. Look at how one author puts it. He says this, there is for me a powerful evidence there is something going on behind it all. It seems as though somebody has fine-tuned nature's chambers to make the universe. The impression of design is overwhelming. Either there is a God or we are, have hit the cosmic lottery, folks. But I believe there is a God. And there are evidences for why we believe the way we believe. That's why Norman Geisler once wrote this book right here. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist right? Why? Because there's so much evidence. Now, you may go, okay, pastor, if all this is true, then then why aren't more scientists believe? I'll tell you why. They don't want to. They don't want to have that worldview. I mean, why? Because once you open the crack and admit that there's a God out there, then he's your creator, and we want our independence. we want to be our own God. We want to call our own shots. We don't want to be accountable to any God, so I don't want to believe there isn't. There even is a God. And what's the conclusion? Look again, how Paul puts it in Romans: 121. "For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And that's the description of our culture today. Everybody claims to be so wise, but because they will not acknowledge God, they're becoming fools. Here's the deal. There is a God, and you're not him. And you need to come to the real light, realization that there's a God who made you and created you. And one day you'll stand before him. But if you will surrender to him as Lord, he'll forgive you. He'll enter into a relationship with you. He'll show you what your meaning and purpose in life is. But it starts with you calling on him as Lord. If you don't know that there's a God today, call on him as God. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for these evidences. Lord, I've got to admit my brain hurts a little bit. But God, thinking about you ought to make us. Stretch and understand. And so, God, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you produce faith, that you put in the hearts of your people here that you say that they would believe in you. God, I just pray that you'll meet with us now and help us to respond to you as God now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website.